Happy New Year. I'm not suffering from end-of-semester hysteria yet. But as your sister in Christ, I can honestly, sanely bid you Happy New Year. Christians travel through the world differently and through time differently than the average daytimer format prescribes. The church calendar is a quiet, time-tested, gospel-centered way of numbering our days according to the life of Christ in the early church. And over the years, I have become more and more grateful for this alternative to our culture's timekeeping patterns, which, I might add, suffer serious calendar issues. Take, for example, the Google Calendar. So this one tells us where we're supposed to be, or in my case, where I was supposed to be, (laughs) and what we're supposed to be doing. But it just identifies December 25th with Christmas, maybe Christmas Eve, but only because most people don't have to work those two days. What about the retail calendar that Jessica already mentioned? This one tells us what we are supposed to consume. Several years ago, Ruth Ann Reese was telling me about a conversation she and her then seven-year-old son Ben had in the car. Their church had just finished observing All Saints Day, and so using that car ride to school for further education, she asked Ben, Ben, what comes next? Christmas, he brightened up. Well, no, she said, actually, we don't don't want to miss Thanksgiving. Christmas is still a couple months away. Well, Ben was really puzzled, and he looked at Ruth Ann and said, but Mommy, Lowe's thinks it's Christmas. (laughs) Most stores deck their halls by July or earlier, and this is not a calendar that I want to take my cues from. The entertainment industry calendar, this has quite a powerful agenda. It tells us with whom we need to spend our time, and how we're supposed to feel if Christmas is going to be meaningful at all. So here we go, right? Countdown to Christmas, Hallmark Channel. They started their Christmas movies November 1st. And while I appreciate that those scripts are much more wholesome than most anything else we can view, I feel obligated to give you a friendly warning. First, for single women and men. Large doses and even small doses of these movies have been scientifically proven to generate Olympic-level discontent. My longtime girlfriend, Kim, we've been friends for... 35 years. She has permission every December to call or text me any night of December and make sure that I haven't gotten sucked into the spell of Hallmark. Because the after effect is self-pity on steroids and it's not 
pretty. Now, those of you who might be dating or married, you're not immune. Trust me, a few of those movies, and before you know it, you're sitting at the table having breakfast, and you're thinking, you know, he never rented a one-horse sleigh and took me for a ride in the snow. <laughs> and the husband, before, before he can even think about it, is is becoming resentful because she never entered an art sculpting contest to prove her love for him. <laughs> Expectations run amok. Talk about fake news. But I digress. So instead of telling us what to buy, where to be, what to do, how to feel, or whom to be with, the church calendar wisely, mercifully, takes the spotlight off of us. We focus on Emmanuel, God with us. We focus on his birth, life, death, resurrection, the kingdom at hand, and the kingdom yet to come. From a discipleship perspective, this pattern of marking time is brilliant. How can we best teach people that the one who is the true light, who gives life to everybody, is coming into the world? Long before people read for themselves or even had access to printed material, long before Advent devotions were given as lovely gifts or recorded as podcasts or blogged, Christians remembered and rehearsed the life of Christ every year. Advent is the season of expectant waiting for promises of old to be kept. Promises that have to do with the first and second coming of Christ. So the Advent wreath was introduced in the 1500s, and it's a powerful visual aid. Each week, less darkness, more light, until the light of the world finally arrives. Four candles in a circle of evergreen. Very simple. But when we put actions with these symbols, we begin to anticipate the incarnation and the triumphant return of our Lord. Hope, peace, joy, love, and the Christ candle. Or some people practice naming the candles prophecy, Bethlehem, shepherds, angels, and the Christ candle. It's a beautiful way to teach about the nature of God made flesh in Jesus. But even a sacred ritual can misfire, especially when churches mistake the symbol for the reality. I know I've told this story before, but when I was serving on a church staff, we all arrived early, as was our custom on Sunday morning, only to discover 
that nothing had been reset after a wedding the night before. It was the second week of Advent, and there was no Advent wreath in sight. So we scurried all over the chancel area, and our music minister found the wreath, sort of stuck in between a bunch of choir robes. Out it came. Alas, there was no peace banner. We had little banners that would hang down from each one of the candles, and peace was missing. So the edict went out. Find the peace banner before 8.30 or else. (laughs) We don't teach this here. We were running all over the building, and it wasn't until I literally opened the door of the boiler room looking for the peace banner that it hit me how absolutely absurd this was. The Prince of Peace is already in the building. If we think the peace banner ushers Jesus into the sanctuary, we've got bigger problems than an Advent wreath that's gone AWOL. Ministry, decorations, music, beautiful traditions, they all must bow to the one they honor. Jesus and his peace are dwelling in us through the Holy Spirit. The banner is a bonus. It's not the real thing. Christians can struggle during Advent as well. I joined church staff in 1988. I was in my mid-20s at the time. I still have such vivid memories of lighting candles around my own little Advent wreath at home. Mainly, I remember it because of the pain and the desperation I was experiencing. I come from a long line of hardworking women who suffer from depression. In addition, growing up in a family controlled by alcohol complicates everything. So, for devotions at home, it wasn't unusual for me to strike a match and light the hope candle without one ounce of hope alive in me. Peace was for people with perfect families. Joy, probably the hardest candle of all to light. This heaviness, this pervasive sadness was tough enough, but for crying out loud, I was a pastor on staff working with adults in discipleship. Now who's spreading fake news? I would stand before my faith family on Christmas Eve and read about good news of great joy. And then I would go to my home and blankly stare out the window, completely flatline emotionally and spiritually. I felt like those false prophets in the Old Testament that went around announcing peace, peace. But there was no peace. As I prepared for today, writing about my struggles felt a little awkward and a tad risky. But as a student and as a teacher, I've been worshiping in Estes Chapel for 30 years. It's one of those rare spaces, and Asbury is one of those rare communities. 
that invites us to be honest with God, with others, and with ourselves. So I'm going to invite you to join me in some personal reflection. You were handed a picture of an Advent wreath. You might have been confused. You might have thought, what? I don't think this is Vacation Bible School. What's going on? But if you've got something to write with, a pencil, a pen, your own imagination, if you don't have any of those, I want you to ponder a little bit about those four candles. If they represent your personal reality right now, today, what would you name them? What would they be called? You can choose any word or phrase. No one's going to see this. Maybe a couple of your candles would align with the gifts of Christmas. Wonderful. Maybe one of your candles needs to be named something that you normally would rather not think about, but it is a part of your reality. So I'm going to give you a minute. Have a little think. Write a name on each of those four calendars. I'm sorry, candles. Far be it from me to be overly dramatic. It's not like at that time I named my candles war, famine, pestilence, and death. It was more like disappointment, confusion, emptiness, weariness, and yet, and yet. I would light the candles. Hanging by a thread of faith, I knew that these things existed somewhere. The act of striking the match and seeing light appear in that circle of four, those flickering flames testified to something greater than myself and my circumstances. Hear me. God used this ritual of lighting candles to train my spirit to believe in the midst of unbelief. This semester in our gospel catechesis class, we have been exploring this way of telling time with the church or liturgical calendar. The ritual reveals and enacts our beliefs. Lighting the candles enacts and embodies our theology. When we put a good symbol with faithful action, we find that they both have the power to teach and form us. So I got to thinking this fall, when I get ready to light the little advent wreath I have at home, what if 
what if I started by lighting the Christ candle? What if I would light the Christ candle first each morning and then light the pink and purple ones? What does this change in ritual reveal about my theology? How would starting with the Christ candle change me? How could this practice change you, change our community? In a sanctuary, the Christ candle is always lit. We have these three representing Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But at home, why not begin with the beginning? The one who was with God. The one who is God. The one who loved us first. I light the candle in the center of the wreath, and then I acknowledge what the true light brings. Secondarily, hope, peace, joy, love. So take a look at your Advent wreath, and you'll notice that the Christ candle isn't in the picture. Again, audience participation here, community participation. I want you to draw the Christ candle in the middle of your wreath. If you don't, again, have something to write with, just do this in your mind's eye. And if you're driving, listening to this, don't close your eyes. So now you've got the Christ candle in the center of the Advent wreath. And you light it. From the light of that center candle, do the names that you gave the other candles change? Do you sense something, someone bigger than your own circumstances? The Christ candle sits at the center of the wreath on purpose. From him all things were made and all things hold together. So as you draw that Christ candle in the center of the wreath, listen to the third verse of Hail to the Lord's Anointed because you might have missed it this earlier in our service. He shall come down like showers upon the fruitful earth. Love, joy, and hope like flowers spring in his path to birth. Before him on the mountains shall peace the herald go and righteousness in fountains from hill to valley flow. Love, joy, hope, peace, they bloom because of Christ. They, they spring up where he has been. They do his bidding. During Advent and every other season of the year, we mark time. We number our days regardless of what they hold according to the true light. That life that was and is the life of all people. Peace banner or no peace banner, unspeakably 
dire circumstances or glad tidings. We can, in good faith, light the candles around the Advent wreath. All because Christ has come. Christ is come. Christ will come again. Amen.